Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of After School Program, the show where we talk with young, successful professionals about how they approach their lives and careers after school. Today's guest is Ella Brooks. Ella is the youngest comedy staff writer for TBS's The Last OG, starring Tracy Morgan. At just 24 years old, she's described herself as their resident young person, making sure the show's language and use of technology reflects how people actually use it in the real world. She graduated from Emerson College in just two years with a degree in writing for TV and film. She was previously an associate producer at The Rachel Ray Show, a production assistant at Megyn Kelly Today, and went through the NBC Universal Page program. In this episode, we talk about the day she found out she was going to be a comedy writer, our time together in the NBC Universal Page program, crazy morning show ladies, and how Ella holds herself accountable when writing. Ella Brooks, everyone. All right. So I guess um, what I want to jump into is, I guess the last we had talked was in November, Ella, when you had texted our little group saying you had gotten the writing position. Um, can mm-hmm. you walk me through that day that you found out you were going to be a writer at The Last OG? Yes. Okay. So I'll give a little bit of pre-context. I won't give like the whole okay. story of my writing journey, but just kind of like this, we could talk about that. Yeah, we will, we we'll go through that for sure. Um, but I had interviewed for the job in October. My manager had called me and he's like, you have um, a meeting with the showrunner of The Last OG. I'm going to send you like, you watch a couple of like episodes, so you're able to go in and talk about it. And mm-hmm. I interviewed, like it was probably like the first or second week of October. And yeah. everyone had told me like, oh, you know, like staff writer is the lowest position. So it's kind of what they hire last. And he was like, you usually will hear in like a week or two because it's like at the end of the whole process. And so I interviewed and I thought it went really well and everything. And mm-hmm. then I didn't hear anything for like a month. So I had kind of given up in my mind. I was like, oh, like I don't have this job. Like kind of sad because yeah. I wanted it. But so disheartening. You know, like, I was starting to back. like do like the grieving and like moving on. Like, okay, like you're gonna get what's right for you. Like it was your first ever staffing interview. Like you're not gonna get it. And then it was a Friday at like 5 p.m. and I was working my other job, which is at the Rachel Ray show. And I was just like, okay, like, you know, it's weekend, exciting, whatever. And then I get a call from my manager and he was like, I want you to like, remember this moment because this is the moment that you found out you're going to be a TV writer. And I started like sobbing and I was like crying. I was so like, I can't even like, I was like, I thought I was like, having a mental breakdown because I like couldn't like physically I was like so excited and freaking out like whatever and he's mm. like yeah and you start Monday oh. and I was like <laughs> oh like oh I was like so excited I like hung up the phone and I called my mom and I called my friends and then my mom was like wait so you start Monday and I was like wait I start Monday <laughs> so I called my manager back and I was like 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 three days from now Monday he's like yeah and I was like oh shit I have to quit my job yeah. <laughs> so I like took a moment because I was of course again freaking out and I was like, okay, like I have to like, I like went on teams and I like messaged my, my, my boss. And I was like, um, I know it's late, but can we like hop on a zoom? Like, <laughs> it's Friday she, afternoon. Literally, Friday like night. we were done for the day. Like yeah. she was like off doing her own thing. I'm like, can everybody just like hop back on for a meeting? And mm-hmm. so I got on and I was like, um, so crazy story. <laughs> um, I have to, today's my last day. <laughs> like, oh my God. Were they pissed? I, they, she was like, well, the thing was like, like I had kind of kept it a secret mm-hmm. which in retrospect, like was it because I always thought I would have time, like if I got right, a job, right. like give my two weeks, but I guess that's just not how things work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hadn't told her that I was like, 
seeking other opportunities. So I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I got um I got a job writing on the last OG. And she's like, you want to be a writer? <laughs> I was like, um, yeah, I do. And she's like, really? I was like, yeah. <laughs> she was like surprised. And then I had to call like the executive producer of the show and like quit to her too. It was like, it mm. was it was very, very stressful, but it, it they, they were all very nice about it. And I'm so thankful for that because like, you know, it obviously it's like a good opportunity and stuff. But in the moment, I was like freaking out. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I have to like I woke up this morning and was like, oh, yeah, it's just another another Friday at the show. Right. Like, mm-hmm. no right. Idea. I was about to have to like upend my entire life. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, like you got like your dream, like you're, you you kind of made it into being a writer. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that starts in three days. I got to figure the rest of this shit out. Like, exactly. Yeah. I mean, now that it's like I'm past it, I'm like, oh, haha, that's so funny. But like in the mm. moment, I was truly freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. Try to fix a bunch of different things. So you you get the job on a Friday. You tell everyone like they're all I guess they're all kind of cool with it. Um, yeah, it's nice that they're okay. cool with it. What was that? Yeah. What was that weekend like? I mean, were you a fan of the show? Did you like know the show? Did you have to binge watch? The show? I had to binge watch it. I mean, yeah. I did. I did quite a bit of binging before my interview. Like, I had known of the show. I just hadn't watched it. So I spent like basically like all weekend, and then the time before my interview watching as well. But that weekend was like, honestly, I was like more so celebrating than anything else. Um, like um, my friends, like my um, our friend Zoe Zach knows she like sent me mm. a bottle of champagne. And, like, <laughs> of course you did. Um, which, I mean, that's exactly the kind of thing she would do. She's just the sweetest. And then like my other friends got me donuts and I like had sushi and like just I was because it was just it felt like the culmination of like everything that I'd kind of, you know, been working for since college. So I was just like, oh, my God, like I'm never like, you know, like I might get other jobs after this again, but I'll never have like this moment, like my first job ever feeling again so I was like really trying to to be excited and also I really didn't know what to expect so I like couldn't do like a crazy amount of preparation beforehand yeah I was gonna Mm -hmm. say like to tell you on a Friday and have you come in on Monday like what could they expect you to come in with like you know what I mean nothing yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) there you go I've got a whole arc in mind for this new season yeah I've got a whole arc for the show it's gonna (laughs) be amazing right off the bat um so I guess, so how long have you had that manager for? Since July. Since July. Okay. And did you just, sub- you submitted them a packet or how did you go about getting management then? When did you decide to be like, all right, like I should get some management to start getting these positions. And like, how long had you been working towards that? Well, it's, it all, everything I think, which is just such a, which is just kind of how the industry works is that everything happened so randomly and kind of without intention it's like when you think about it it doesn't happen but then when you don't think about it it does like I had known since graduating that like okay like one of the ways into the industry is you're an assistant and then eventually you get an agent from like the from the company where you are an assistant like that's one way and then like the other way is just to kind of like figure it out on your own but I had been writing for a while knew I was like okay maybe I'll start to query some people but what actually happened is around the time of um the George Floyd protests and everything that was going on around that time, there was a big push on Twitter for people to read black writers. It was like a hashtag and everything. So people who were staffed writers and producers and stuff were like, okay, like if you are a black writer who's never written for TV before, if you are unrepresented, if you're a pre WGA, like 
send me a message and I will read your script. And so I just like sat down one day and I was like, okay, like this is like an opportunity. I don't know if I'll ever have a chance like this again. Like, let me just DM as many people I, as I can. Um, and quite a few people ended up reading my stuff, but um, one guy, his name is Joe Cristalli. He was like a, um, a producer on um, Perfect Harmony, I think is the name of the show on NBC. He read my script and he was like, oh, I like this, like, but do you have anything more straight comedy? The thing I sent him was like a dramedy more so. And okay. I, I I lied and said yes and then spent mm -hmm. a week writing a script. <laughs> Always lie, right? Because <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, like I could tell the truth and then he's just like, oh, okay, that sucks, Move whatever. On. And yeah. I was like, mm -hmm. no, like, okay. So I buckled down and I like wrote it in a week and I sent it to him and he's like, this is great. Let me send it to my manager. And I don't know if you've ever experienced when someone's like, oh, you know, like send me your resume, whatever. And you know, nothing's going to come of yep. it, but it's just like, polite of them to offer so mm -hmm. you say sure like whatever so that's what I thought it was he was just gonna right. be like oh like let me send this to my manager I was like okay mm -hmm. cool and then like two weeks later his manager emailed me um and wanted to have a zoom with me and now he is my manager wow. so Dang. it just was like totally like not not um entering a competition and getting recognition from that or like not sending queries or anything it was just this like m very incredibly nice man on twitter who just like happened to open this door for me and wow. give me this opportunity so right. my situation but is like pretty not normal yeah no but it's also you recognizing an opportunity and and making the most of that too and yeah you saw that there was there was a push for that and then so you're like all right now's my time to really try and start getting myself out there and all. And then, and then of course, you know, throw a little white lie in there and then yeah, <laughs> just you buckle to. down for a bit. You got to throw that lie in there. I feel like if you, like if you get someone that you're talking to and you finally are talking to them and they ask you a question and like, it's going to be, a, you just have to be a yes person at that point. Exactly. Like, no matter what they say, just like, yep. Uh-huh. Yep. And just have that confidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> lying is, lying's important, everyone. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so the moral of the story is lie. <laughs> yeah. Right. Fake fake it till you make it, right? I mean Yeah. Um that's so crazy, could you yeah. walk us through uh day to day as a writer at the last OG, especially now where it's like I was wondering how it looks being remote, because you know, you think of a writer's room, you think everybody's sitting in like a conference room now and you're able to work out of Florida, um, which is a pretty cool opportunity. But I guess what's it look like for day to day for you um as a staff writer? Yeah. Um so I can, uh, again, only speak of like the, the like digital experience, but mm -hmm. it's literally you were on Zoom the entire day. But mm -hmm. the thing that makes up for it is that like, it's not crazy hours, especially because I'm on the East Coast. So like I work one to seven every day and then we get an hour for lunch and then we like take a break every hour. But it's like you're just on the Zoom and um it started out with us just kind of what they call like blue skying which is just being like what if this happened what if this happened what if he went there what if she said this and then we kind of we have 10 episodes a season so then from that we kind of like sort of worked out like okay like we could have this happen in episode eight and this happened in episode four and so now we're in the process where we've like figured out what we want to do for every episode so we're starting to go into outlining but literally just what it is every day is i log on to zoom we're all just staring at each other and then we're like okay let's talk about what we want to have to be the b story in episode seven and we'll just talk through it it's literally just like that you're just like having a conversation the entire time because i'm a staff writer and i'm lower level like it's kind of the expectation and the norm that i don't talk too much which kind of sounds weird but it's like it's the way i like was explaining it to somebody is like if i just come up with the first idea everybody's gonna have that idea 
and then it's not special if I say it, but if I'm like kind of waiting and I'm like listening and seeing what they're saying. And then the one time I speak is something that like helps them out of a situation or presents a unique idea. Like that's better from my part. So it's a lot for me, especially just like sitting and listening, which is very different from any other job that I've had, but. Right. And especially being in that where it's like, you're taken in a totally different environment and also being remote, I guess it's a little different trying to gauge, um, just the people that you're working with too, and how that hierarchy works. I feel like that's a, that changes every everywhere you go, like in understanding what your role is and what's expected of you. And then when to speak up and like you were saying, like take your shots on yeah. uh, trying to solve something that they're kind of stumped with. Someone gave me the advice, like you should speak once an hour. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I try to do that. To science, you got an alarm yeah. and you're like, oh fuck, we're running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> Three what I do, what I found has been really helpful is I'll keep a notebook with me. And so when I have an idea, like I'll write it down so I don't lose Mm -hmm. it. And then I'll like, wait and see if like someone else comes to that idea first, or if we even stay on the topic or throw it away or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then finally, like, if I'm like, okay, like this is my chance and then I'll say it. And then like, I feel like that's better than just like saying the first thing that comes into your head. Cause like your first thought isn't always like your best thought. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I feel like it's gotta be hard bouncing being like, you know, like you said, kind of low down on the staff, but also like they hired you for a reason right like you're Mm -hmm. you're in the room for a reason i feel like that's got to be hard to balance between yeah i mean i was i was actually talking about this with my manager the other day we had like an end of the year zoom and he's like yeah like you like what do you think your reason for getting hired was i'm like i'm definitely there to be like the young voice i'm the youngest person in the room notwithstanding like the writer's assistants and stuff um so like, we'll be like, I had the other day I had to explain like what Etsy was and what Raya is and like what poppers are and what a promposal is. Like, I'm just there to be like the like youngest person, like the little like millennial Gen Z dictionary, which is funny just to like, they'll be like, oh, Ella, like, do, do people like actually text like that? And I'm like, yeah, they do. Like, <laughs> would they yeah. actually do this? I'm like, yeah, they would. Like, it's, <laughs> that's a fun thing to be able to do. Just make sure that Ella, is this real? You're like, yeah, no, it is. It is. Yeah, real. it is. Yeah, uh, it is. We'll keep it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I guess I want to go. Uh, all the way back to your childhood then. So you're growing up in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, Raton. Boca Raton? Yes. Oh, excuse me. Oh so Boca God. Raton. How embarrassing um, for you. <laughs> I'm humiliated. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess what's growing up for you like and like kind of what are you interested in as you're growing up and when did you find that spark for writing? Well, um, I grew up an only child. Um mm-hmm. And I was always like very interested in watching TV. Like I loved, I like, I liked writing as a kid, but I, I kind of wasn't a story writer. I liked just like coming up with things in my head, but I didn't really know how that could translate into like, oh, being like an author necessarily. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time. And then especially like when I was like in high school and stuff, I would like watch like a movie a night. Like I was like mm-hmm. very, very into it. And at first I was like, oh, I think I want to be an actress. So I went to like acting camp and I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is it. Like, this doesn't feel like exactly what I want to do. And then like, Mm -hmm. then I learned what producing was. So I was like, Oh, I think I want to be a producer because like, I want to like 
create it, but the producer isn't necessarily always in charge of like the creative aspect of it. Right. Like, the producers more so like they can be, but yeah. it's also a lot of like financing and like things like that. So I was like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to have to think about like money and math. Mm-hmm. And then finally, like, I can't even remember how old I was, but I like eventually just realized that like screenwriting was a job. I think mm-hmm. it was probably around the time I was like applying for college. So that's mm-hmm. when I really started to like look into that. So I knew like, okay, like I think this is like, this is, this is like everything that I wanted to do is like actually a thing. Like it's a real job. Yeah. And so I applied to a couple of colleges, ended up going to Emerson. And then when I had like my first writing class, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Like this, this is exactly what I was like thinking of this whole time. Yeah. Okay. So, and it was like, so as you're applying to colleges and stuff, are you like, I'm, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going for it. Like, when did you say like, all right, like I'm for sure in on this? Well, to be honest, (laughs) when I applied to Emerson, like I Mm -hmm. applied for writing for film and television, but that was only because you like, didn't really have to like have a portfolio. (laughs) That was like the only thing you like, didn't really like have to have anything for. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do that. Um, and then just the writing class, you're like, oh, I'm in. Like, yeah. this is. Yeah. And then, so I guess as you're progressing through those, because you finished in two years, you finished college in two years, right? Two and a half, yeah. Two and a half, yeah. Was that your mindset going into college? Like, I'm going to get in, learn what I can, and then get out and start just going for things? Or did it just kind of happen? Like, how did that work out graduating that quickly? Well, I did a program in high school where I was dual enrolled. So my junior and senior year of high school, I was taking college classes and it counted for both. So I kind of, no matter like what I would have studied, I would have gone through college quickly because I kind of got all my gen eds out of the way. But I think that really helped with my college experience because like all my friends when I first got to Emerson were having to take like like math and like science and stuff. I'm like, Oh no, I'm just taking like three writing classes and that's it. So I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. like this is, this is, this is, so amazing. Like I don't have to like do all the bullshit anymore. So right. I knew I kind of wanted to get in and out and like, I think it ended up working out in the end just in terms of like how everything lined up that I did afterwards. But I was just like, okay, like I don't want to have to like fuck around and like do stuff I'm not interested in. Like I just want to take the classes that I care about. Right. You're like, I realize I I'm, that's not my route in high school. Like I just kind of just want to focus on this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I I had a similar route too. I, I took uh, in high school, I had college credits from high school classes. And then I went to a community college just for a year and got like all my liberal arts out of the way and everything. So that when I went to UArts for music, I, I could, I just took music classes. And that makes it like so much better. Yeah, You're like, it, wow, I actually like am enjoying learning in college. Exactly. I don't have to like pretend to care about every class I was I going to at that point. Like I was super interested in, it didn't feel, yeah. it didn't feel I forced almost, or anything. I almost got another Zach McHale's credits. I almost got like 22 credits from another Zach McHale that was a freshman at Penn State. Yeah. You should have taken them. (laughs) They're all like criminology classes. I'm like, this kid's screwed if it goes over to me. Dude, you could have been like a detective. (laughs) Yeah. Graduate finance and detective. Wow, this guy covers a lot of ground. (laughs) Well, you could be a finance detective. What do they call those? There's a name for that. The IRS. Well, yeah, Yeah. there's the IRS. (laughs) They're also like... In in I I forget what it's called. I don't know. I can't think of it. But the IRS definitely. Yeah, you could have been at the IRS. You could have audited people, Zach. Ah, uh, what could have been? Yeah. What could have been? <laughs> could have been. <laughs> um, all right, so Ella. So then, once you're, 
you know, you're starting to take your classes, then where's your mindset in terms of starting to create this path for yourself of becoming a television writer? Like, how are you going to start getting? Yeah. Did you have like a experience? dream show? Did you have like a dream show you would want to write on? Well, like at the like time, even growing up, like when you, when you decided you wanted to like write for TV or movies, like what was, what would be your dream TV show to be on? Oh, my dream. I don't Oh Well, okay. The first, spec I ever wrote for a class was a broad city spec. I love broad city. Mm -hmm. That would have been, you know, just amazing to write for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then another show that I, my favorite show of all time is like man seeking woman on FX. Okay. Like, okay. Wow. Like if I could have written for that, like that's like top tier, yeah. but um, I kind of, I was taking the classes. And the one thing that Emerson does is they have a campus in Los Angeles. So you do your last semester in LA Okay. So I knew like going out there, like, okay, like I need to get like an internship that's going to, you know, position me to be, I don't know, like a lot of people will either intern at like agencies or management companies, because that's mm -hmm. one way or you'll intern in development. So that's what I ended up doing. So I interned at Comedy Central and at Juvie, which is Viola Davis's company. So like, that was like the first real kind of like, okay, like this is how I'm going to position myself to like be exposed to it, like meet people that can help me because like, obviously like you're going to like laterally network with like people in your class and stuff. Right. But that was like my first real exposure to like working in the industry. Right. And then, so once you kind of get that experience, like how are you feeling and where are you starting to feel like, Oh, what's, what's my next plan after this internship then? And once well, you're in a school. To tell the honest truth, I was living in LA and I hated it. I was like, mm -hmm. I fucking hate this place. <laughs> it's so miserable. But I was also like living in a dorm and commuting an hour and a half each way every day. Like it was just like not like conducive mm. to having a good experience. But I left that I left that like time and I was like, I I don't want to live in LA unless I have a good job. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I wanted to give New York a try at that point. And so like now this I'm at a place where I'm like, okay, now I can show. think about we, we just had LA. someone on who, uh, who who moved out of LA too. It's becoming a theme on the show. No one likes LA. <laughs> it's like kind of, it's kind of. It's just not for everyone, terrible. right? It's, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'll definitely, I have to think about moving now that I have this job and like future jobs and stuff. Like, I think it'll be different like to like have a job. I mean, I did like my internship, don't get me wrong, but like to have a job that I like and be able to choose where I live and to like be in a, not be like 20 years old renting a car, like, you know, just like, a baby like i feel like it's different now um but yeah i was like when i was there i was like what the hell is this place like, I was like <laughs> right and i'm sure you go in with your expectations of it too and then you're just like damn i'm just stuck in traffic right now like especially with working in entertainment it can just be some of the people in that industry can just be pretty uptight i remember it was kind of a jarring experience for me with just some of the talent that I worked with when you're out in LA and it was just like, man, it was just those hot headed actors who think they're the shit and they're just like very angry people. <laughs> like there like, were really cool parts of my internship, but like also part of my job is like going to get celery for an executive every day. Like <laughs> I was like, which celery is great. It's not bash celery. Okay. Yeah. First of all, I hate sponsor, celery. So we're celery. not going to, we're actually going to bash celery. Cause big I sponsor. hate it. And I think it's big, disgusting. Big sponsor on the show. Celery. Thank you. Celery. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I'm sorry to make you guys lose your sponsorship, but celery. Yeah. Make sure you sucks. wash your celery. <laughs> that was all we had was celery. I'm celery. sorry guys. You can cut that out. If you want. <laughs> definitely got to cut that out. Boo. -hoo. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was like, 
it was like, is this, I don't even, it was just like a culmination of like a lot of things that I was like, there's mm-hmm. also like the culture in LA is like everyone moves there because they want to be in the industry. So like mm-hmm. I would get in an Uber and my Uber driver was like, Oh, so like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm an intern. <laughs> and he's like, oh, do you want to read my script? I'm like, no. I'm like, <laughs> no. I'm like, right. They won't even read my script. Like, right. why would I want to like help you? Like, it was, yeah. it was just, it's so industry focused. I was like, oh, I want to like move to New York and like meet all sorts of people. Right. Like Normal people. I mean, I don't think anyone in New York is normal. Yeah, yeah. No, New, York is, New York is its own kind of thing. That's so. Exactly. LA and New York are kind of similar in the ways that... And and just being so different from almost where I feel like everywhere else. Yeah. But yeah, so then while you're there and you're just kind of like frustrated with it, like what are you doing to kind of push yourself through? You're like, all right, I like certain parts of this, but I don't like LA. Like what do you, what's kind of your mindset when you got to go and get salary for, you know, one of the executive producers or something? I, there were a lot of, there were so many parts of my job that I really, really liked that it made it worth it. Like I was reading all sorts of scripts. Like you were really involved as an intern there, like meeting everybody, having informationals with people. Like it was my job to bring up talent. So I was like, you know, like having like these like five second brushes, like incredibly famous people, which is always cool. And like Mm -hmm. the other girls who were there, like at the same time as me as interns were really nice. So it was like, it was a very cool job, but like, and then I would like go home to my dorm and I'd be like, this sucks. And then I'd go to work and I'd be like, this is great. So I just, I just don't mm-hmm. think at that point, like, I don't think I was ready for LA yet. Like I didn't want to mm-hmm. have to like be there and struggle. Like all my family's on the East coast, all my friends are on the East coast. Like I just like, I was like, basically when it got to the end of it, like everybody was starting to look at apartments and wanting to stay. And I didn't, I didn't even look at a single apartment. I was like, I'm going, I made it my mindset to go to New York. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you're finished with college at this point. Like this is the last semester had finished and you had the internship or yeah this is like fall 2016 okay all right and then so what's your plan after that then you're like screw you know i'm not staying in la i want to go to new york so then what's what's your plan after that and what ended up happening so i wanted to come to new york and freelance i ended up moving to new york in february of 2017 I had met someone while I was working as a, I worked it as a camp counselor for the school of the New York times. It's like a, it's like a, a program for like high schoolers and also like continuing education for adults. But like the thing I did was with high schoolers. Yeah. Was that your first like work opportunity? Was that the first time like you worked? Was that because you did that in college, right? I did that in college. My first Mm -hmm. job was at American apparel, but this was like my second job. Um, And so I did that the summer before I went to LA. So I'd like met someone who was a screenwriter. She wrote for the Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she like passed my information along and I was getting offers to like day, day play as a PA on the Americans. And I like, wasn't getting them because I was in Florida. So I was like, I need to move. Um, Mm -hmm. So I ended up moving to New York. I actually only worked on that show once, <laughs> once I moved, because then they like wrapped and I was like, okay, like, whoops. <laughs> You're like, good <laughs> season, guys. Good job, everyone. Right. Um, and then I ended up working at Glossier, which mm-hmm. is like the makeup company. And I was okay. doing that and I was like, and then while I was working there, they did a shoot with someone who worked at NBC. Like NBC came in to do like an ad for them that would play in the back of taxis. Mm-hmm. And so I like, they asked me to be in it, like just in the background, like as a girl working at Glossier. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just like, I was like, oh gosh, like, I think I should just talk to the director, like be like, I think I should do it. So I just, I was like, um, hi, like I'm interested in like working in like film and television. Like, could we get a coffee? And he was actually really nice. And he's like, yeah. Um, Mm. So he's like, I just saw you in the back of the taxi there. You You look great. You've got the job. You've got the talent. (laughs) He like was very nice about it. And he actually took me to 30 Rock to get coffee, which was like really cool. It was my first time there. Mm. And I ended up freelancing on two shoots for him. And on one of the shoots, the girl was a page. Okay. And I did not know what that was. I was like, like you, like, like in 30 Rock. And she's like, yeah. And she's like, you should apply. I was like, Oh, okay. Like, mm. <laughs> I was like not really working at that point because I was just freelancing. I quit Glossier and I was like, okay, I need to get a job. I was also babysitting. I was like babysitting at this point too. Okay. And so I applied for the page program and it like took me like honestly like two weeks to finish the application because it was just long as hell and you couldn't save it. So I kept like not doing it. <laughs> yeah. And then finally I was like, okay, like I guess I'll like send in this page program application and then like as you know, Zach, I ended up getting in <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because we were That's in the same page cohort. So that was February 2018. The best day of your life when you realized we were in the same cohort. I remember the first time I ever saw you, you were talking and your microphone was off and you talked the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, yeah. no, and we were just like, okay. Like, um, <laughs> dude, Tons, this was brutal. So we're on a Zoom interview. It's all the new pages. You just got accepted. It's There's not what, surprising. Two of us. Uh, yeah, yeah dude, it's us. yeah, cons. You'll be like, this is just friggin' classic. Yeah, it's just so classic Z. It's us. It's the <laughs> it's the three heads of the page program, and it's all the new people in the cohort, and <laughs> they're just going around doing that, like introductory. Uh, you get stuff. a job, like tell us something about yourself and something interesting. Like tell something you've never or, told another soul. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, Zach goes deep, so I saw, but no one I ran hears into the woods, and I saw the dead body back. There. <laughs> But no, so I go off on this whole like minute long rant. Like we're talking like a real minute. So it's excruciatingly long of me not realizing that nobody else can't hear me because like, I forget what happened. It was something with the video thing where I took my headphones out because I was worried I'd mess up the volume or whatever and just screwed myself. I'm on mute the entire time I'm talking and everybody else is just sitting there like, Zach, you're on mute. You're on mute. And you can hear mute. him. Didn't hear you. And so I'm I had to come. Literally like, Zach, we can't hear you. You're on mute, Zach. And he's like, not even stopping. Because <laughs> <laughs> I took my headphones out. I don't know what I was thinking. And so you then took your when I had to plug him back in, I don't know what I was thinking. All right. There was something where I was worried about the mic being messed up. <laughs> and I plug him back in. They're like, oh, you were muted. So we didn't hear that entire thing. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> where do you like go? now where you have you time get? to rehearse so you can do it again. <laughs> I was about to say, where do you go from there? Did you jump right back into it? So then I told him all about the dead body. And I was oh, like, right. oh my God, he wouldn't believe. Yeah. And I was like, you, wow. you want him back. You want him back. Yeah. With the dead body. So that's my first impression with uh, all our pals in the page program there. So you must have you thought Zach was just, you know, something else there huh i was like this dude this dude i didn't know what to think i'm gonna be he's honest, not making like, it i could not tell a lot of the guys apart because they're like just all white men so i didn't know who that <laughs> was just... for like the first two weeks like, oh my god and all the securities mixing me and alex up and it's like we don't look alike we're just white guys with blonde hair we're just the only <laughs> two white guys with blonde hair <laughs> okay i will tell you we had like this all page lunch and 
all they were they had like older pages there and they're like who's that because they thought zach was so cute and they kept coming up to us and being like who's that and i'm like um tom i'm like i don't know so i was just like i don't um uh, alex yeah i was like i don't know like all do have the most basic white guy names too it's zach tom dan eric (laughs) (laughs) zach tom dan uh eric brian Brian, and alex yeah so i was like i don't know who that is like i'm sorry to this man like i don't know who that is all the bases you're like but go up and guess one of one of the most yeah. basic names and you'll probably nail it exactly that's funny so then you so you're in the page program then and i guess what's your mindset going through it like how are you trying to because for people who don't understand how it works it's like you go in there you have three months where you're working on the late night shows. So it's like you're seating audiences for them. We also, <laughs> you know, so we also would work the morning program, which at the time was Megan Kelly. Um, and, and Ella, do you remember the first time we sat in, they let us go into the audience and oh we sat God. down to watch this show. And so on Megan Kelly's show, she has on the guy who wrote uh, the book Friday Night Lights. And this guy goes on there and, uh, you know, he just starts talking about his leather fetish. And so we're sitting there. We've never watched the show before. It was just all 20 of us sitting in the crowd, looking around, just like, oh, my God, like, what is going on here? And it was very like frying pan into the fire situation. Like that had to be like our first like formative memory together because of everything Mm -hmm. else we ended up experiencing. It was. There's like a picture of our friend Abby, like that they caught on the on the camera as they're flashing to the audience. And her face is just like, oh, (laughs) horrified, horrified. Did they use that segment? They used the leather? Yes. Yes. No way. Yeah, that, that was, was like live? a big portion of the oh, show. Yes. That was yeah. It was a big portion of the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he's, and he, and the one thing that's even crazier, he's there wearing leather pants, yes. like oh, rubbing, no. his rubbing his legs. Oh, yeah. like, yeah. I was like, oh my god. Oh, my god. Oh. That was the worst part. The whole time he's rubbing his leather thighs while he's talking about his leather fetish. And you're just like, dude, what the hell? You're ruining this whole series. I used to love this show. <laughs> oh my I don't God. know about all that. And I'm not going <laughs> to read the book. <laughs> Live is just a whole nother beast. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you're sitting there and it's a tape show, you're just like, all right, we could just edit this crazy guy's rant out. This is right. ridiculous. There's no. no way this is getting on the show. But, but they knew that was the whole focus of the segment. It wasn't a side thing of him going off on it. It was like, oh, you want to talk about this? Huh? Like, okay. oh, they prompted it. Was like it? how he lost was... all his money buying leather. Yeah. Like, they this prompted guy had... the question. Like, they wanted him to talk about that it. That was the entire focus of the oh whole It wasn't God. about Friday you Night Lights. You've never Night seen Lights an episode of Megan Kelly today yeah. because this <laughs> no. is a bread and Yeah, this is, yeah, this is. No. Right, this is all it is. Yeah, it's kind of. I'm, I'm glad I've steered away from it. Well, actually. it's it's not on anymore. So <laughs> maybe maybe we know why. <laughs> it was so it was so bizarre, and it's like, all right, so this is daytime TV, I guess. This okay. is the page program. Is, yeah, like, welcome. Welcome yeah. to the page program. <laughs> but so then, so then you spend that three months, and you're seating the audiences for the late night programs. Maybe you're hopping on other odd jobs or helping work like uh, some of their corporate events or late night events. Yeah. Who are um, you trying to network with while you were there? Cause I mean, obviously you made a pretty big jump becoming a staff writer somewhere else. So like it has, I'm going to be totally frank, but me having this job has like nothing to do with the page program. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> which is no, it's like, which was what I was going to talk about. Like the page mm-hmm. program really clocked me because I didn't really get to do 
anything I was interested in while I was in the mm-hmm. page program. I do but remember you being like, kind of frustrated sometimes. I was very frustrated. I'm going to be honest because like I first of all got you, the whole thing is like, okay, like they're like, you will never have to do an assignment you don't want to do. So just don't apply for things you don't want to do. But then I mm-hmm. actually ended up getting assigned, even though I didn't apply for it to Megan Kelly today. So I worked on Megan Kelly today, mm-hmm. which was the whole thing. And then like, it didn't count against me in terms of doing production, but then I never, I never even really got interviews for the late night shows. So it was very frustrating for me because I knew what I wanted to do. Right. But you're not going to do it. Yeah. Wait, let me explain. So it's like you get, there are all these positions you have to do a production rotation, a business rotation and a consumer rotation and each one's three months. And so, um, you know, if you get one, you're not that interested in, that's fine. You're doing it for three months, but if you get one, you really like, you're still only doing it for three months, but you want to get to know everybody like mm-hmm. while you're there. Yeah. So some of them are being like, you know, like uh, a desk assistant or a talent assistant for the tonight show or late night where you're escorting the talent. Yeah. To the what show. Are, yeah. What's like the most popular one people, those ones for yeah, sure. Ones. Or desk assistant for Saturday night live. So they'll have mm-hmm. three of them. And, you know, sometimes they'll be in the background of the sketches and stuff too, but you're going, you're running around all over for the talent, for the musical guests. You're going up into Harlem to get their specific, whatever, um, like is there like specific pizza that they wanted to get? I was gonna say like is there a benefit? Like, is there a benefit from doing that, or is it just people who want like want to be like around it, stars? Uh, like, it, there is a benefit where it's like that's a networking like, opportunity. For yeah. sure. You're not gonna networking. work at the Tonight Show unless you interned or were a page on the Tonight Show. Right. You're okay. not gonna work at SNL unless you interned or were a page at SNL. Oh, wow. So it's like if you want to do that, like that's kind of the only way in. That's mm-hmm. the benefit. Like, will you get a job? It's not guaranteed, of course, but it's right. like. It's like to you even or have some chance. person off the street, like it would be you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, cause you know, it's like, you can't really knock them for that. Cause it's like, they're going to go with, there's so few positions and they're going to go with who they're familiar with and have a reputation with, you know, directly from right. who they've seen there for a temporary period of time. But yeah, so Ellis, so then, so you get Megan Kelly and I remember you're, you're pretty frustrated with that and you're like, all right, but at least it doesn't count against my production assignment because otherwise you would have just had consumer and business, which you knew for sure you weren't like, really nope. interested in route. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I had Megan Kelly, didn't count against me, but then I never like really got any interviews for any of the late night shows, which was also very frustrating. Mm-hmm. And it's because you're like, okay, like, how is my resume really any different from anyone else's? Like, what is going on here that I'm not getting these? So it was like really hard, honestly, to like be like, what am I doing either wrong or like whatever mm-hmm. that I'm not getting these opportunities that I'm clearly so interested in. Like one of the like essays I wrote to get in was like about how much I loved Late Night with Seth Meyers and specifically Amber Ruffin because I'm like, here's mm-hmm. like a black woman in comedy. Like, look at her. Like, she's incredible. Like, that's mm-hmm. like the kind of stuff I want to be doing. And so like the page program was honestly like very kind of frustrating for me. Um, I mean, there were a lot of like benefits and I, I do, I'm a person who believes like it is just as important to do what you're not interested in. So, you mm-hmm. know, right. as what, as is as important to do, like what you are interested in. So like, I don't regret being a page, but it was definitely like a very frustrating time for me, especially mm-hmm. towards the end, because like, I didn't even get a job like at the, when there's like three months at the end where you're like, what's called like a grad page where you go back to giving tours while you're looking for jobs. And I didn't even like mm-hmm. get a job out of that. So I kind of came out of it and I was like feeling like frustrated. Like I, I like, it was just, I, right. I liked doing it, but it's like, 
when I look at where I am now, like, I don't know exactly how much of like a direct role being a page played in me having this job. Right. And that grad period can be stressful because it's, you know, for three months, it's you and your same page cohort. And it's, it's a fun time where it's like, you're back to the beginning almost of getting paid to do tours and work the late night shows again, and kind of show the new pages coming in, how things are done. But also as people start getting positions and they start leaving and all of a sudden, uh, there are just less and less people there. It can kind of be uh, stressful and feeling like you're you're not really kind of you're kind of falling behind or something like that. Yeah. The people that are heading out. And I also knew like, okay, I'm not going to get a job on late night because I didn't end up having a late night assignment. So like, also mm-hmm. having to come to terms with that, like, okay, like I was interested in that, and that's like not something that's really available to me. It was like also like kind of like, mm-hmm. but I mean, obviously now I'm like at peace with it <laughs> right 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 so so then like yeah you so don't what was your a, next move right yeah what are you thinking like so you don't get anything in grad period yeah, pay, and you're trying to get a position uh at least like are you thinking like all right let me just get something in entertainment so i'm still like, kind of in this world like what's your mindset on your next steps as you're realizing like all right i'm not getting into late night like that's not happening for me probably i knew that i wanted to get a job working in entertainment because I was like I didn't want to have to be like okay like now I'm gonna be like I don't know like a waitress I didn't want to go back to nannying I didn't like I was like oh like I already did all this I don't really want to take a step back after doing because the the page program is very prestigious but I think it's more prestigious to people who aren't working at NBC than people who are working at NBC Mm -hmm. um so I knew like okay at least I have this thing but I actually Mm -hmm ended up getting a job at Rachel Ray, not because of the page program, but because of my ex. Um, his- <laughs> oh, really? oh, that's how it was. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so basically like his friend who he used to work with worked at Viacom mm-hmm. and she interviewed me for a job and then actually didn't give it to me. And then we mm-hmm. saw them out later and I was like, this is really weird. Cause I know you just denied me for a job. <laughs> yeah. But- yeah. It's like, you- it didn't go up to anyone else. You made the call. <laughs> I like, it was like, that was well but she ended up i i'm i i forgive her i'm not that i was mad at her but i was just like this is mm-hmm. really weird but she ended up passing my resume along mm-hmm. to who would be my future boss and then my boss my first year at rachel ray actually emailed me she's like okay. i got your resume like oh, do wow. you want to come in for an interview to work here so mm-hmm. it all ended up happening because of that which is like very funny to to think about now but um yeah. It, that also was like not even something I had. I I wasn't even like, oh, I want to work for the Rachel Ray show because I didn't even mm-hmm. know anyone there, but I ended up getting that job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What was your reaction to that email? I mean, because that's, I feel like that's not a normal thing to happen. Like, hey, I got your resume. I want you to come work here. I was very surprised. Yeah. I was very surprised. I was also like, by that point, I was like done, done with the page program. Like after right. a certain point when you're a grad, they're like, okay, like, it's been fun. You don't right. have to go home, but you can't stay here. Like, right. mm-hmm. so I was like at that point, like officially unemployed. Like, right. How close you know, were you to, to getting like right. a side job? Like you said, like nannying or waitressing. I didn't cause it was still the summer. <laughs> I was go, like, yeah. I was like, okay, like I'm just going to be applying for stuff. Like yeah. I had saved up quite a bit of money in the page program. Cause when we first mm-hmm. started, we were working like the craziest hours. So I was like, I don't need to like worry yet. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was like very close to having to worry. Right. Um, right. And so I just like, I think I like woke up and I like had an email from her and it was crazy because she emailed me on like a Monday. I came in to interview on a Tuesday and then I got the job on a Thursday. You're getting these jobs quick. quick. 
Yeah, all, all these jobs around. you're getting. So I know quick. <laughs> that seems to Just be a like... theme here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like a super super quick turnaround with that. Um, I will say that the Megyn Kelly Today Show. I mean, working on daytime TV probably helped out with that. Though. Yeah, I think like definitely like the experience yeah, was relevant, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like a page connection that like, right. like made it happen. Mm-hmm. So then, how was your experience there at the Rachel Ray Show? Because I know that can be pretty busy. I mean, you guys pump out what two to three shows a day for like half the week it was like it was a lot of fun but it was like any sort of like production job like that is super stressful at times and you were a production assistant right? that was a production assistant there were three other pas i was the only girl um yeah what are your responsibilities as a production assistant what do you do so it was like a rotating thing so there because there were four of us you were either floater which you just kind of did whatever Mm -hmm. you were the control room pa which meant that you sat in the control room during during the tapings. And then you also helped scripts with paperwork. Um, You could be the green room PA. I think I can't remember what it's called the green room PA. So you would like Mm -hmm. do all the signs for the green room. Like you would sometimes bring up guests. You would like just be in charge Mm -hmm. of that area. And then the last one is crafty PA, which is like, you would be in charge of craft services. Mm -hmm. So it rotated every taping block. So we would be dark for like a week or two and then we would do two weeks of filming and we would film tuesday wednesday thursday two to three shows a day mm-hmm. so like there would be times where we were and honestly like part of the reason why i am where i am is like having that dark period because like we would be on when we were on we were like so on like crazy running around and then we would have two weeks where it was just like nothing really going on so during mm-hmm. that time is actually when i would write okay um but it was like it was, there were very, very stressful days. And also it's kind of sad because like, I didn't really get a proper ending with that. Cause like I went home for COVID and like never went back. Like, right, right, right. I worked, right, I worked. Not, not closer there. Yeah. Like literally I have stuff there still. Oh, wow. <laughs> what was your Which favorite like, rotation? Um, I, I would assume it wouldn't be the catering services. That <laughs> one that sounds like the too worst. much celery. <laughs> so, yeah, I was gonna yeah. have well, yes, actually. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but like, if there was like a week where I was gonna like have like a emotional breakdown and like cry in the bathroom for like ten minutes just because it was all mm. too much, it was like during crafty PA, <laughs> like because you're just like <laughs> because like most shows, it's like craft services, especially if it's like a daytime show. Like when I was at Megan mm. Kelly, like the, the craft services was like bagels and like cottage say, cheese yeah i was gonna say like fruit and cheese platters. exactly but at <laughs> rachel ray because it's a cooking show and rachel's so nice to her staff she wants like a full spread like with hot food so we would be Does having she cook to, like, it for him she wouldn't cook so what we would do is we would like <laughs> that's, go to that's we would bullshit get, like, right there if i'm working on the rachel ray show i want her cooking for me <laughs> you do get her food you do get okay, her food okay. because like they have to make so many versions of things to film that right. it all comes out at the end the but, burnt like, stuff you get the burnt stuff it was actually really good food. Like some of the best food I've ever had was working on that show. Um, <laughs> but at the recipes. beginning of every tape block, you would get like $2,000 to go to BJ's and just buy like frozen food and vegetables and like all the stuff. And then you'd be in the back, like actually like making it. So oh, you would wow. literally be like, and you would have to be like, okay, like you'd look at the schedule. Like we're doing three shows today. That means they're going to have a break in between the A and the B show. And then they're going to have lunch from like 1245 to 145. So you have to make sure that like at this time there's this album, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. And people mm-hmm. were like, had also been working there for like 15 years. So they're so specific about what they want. Right. If you didn't have like a Jimmy Dean breakfast sandwich out. They'd be like, I like, I want my, like, <laughs> they would like freak out. They would like lose their minds. So like, oh, no. that was honestly the most stressful one. Like that one, I was like, 
I hate this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a fun one for someone who Can wants to be a writer. Like, yeah, you know like I mean? I mean, I was like, I was like, clearly, like that's just like where you're like, okay, I have to do the bitch yeah, work. Yeah, to, like, yeah, exactly. So I liked being green room PA, and I liked being um, control room PA. Right. right, being involved in the actual production process of it and seeing yeah. how what goes into making it. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so then while I guess we're on this, um, so one day I ended up getting a text from you mm-hmm. texting me, Tom, and Alex. Oh, is this Z's uh, Rachel Ray this debut? Is, this, this is my Rachel Ray debut. Oh, wow. So, um, I'm the bell of the ball. It. It is, yeah. So Ella is solely responsible for it. She texts me, Alex. Well and done. Tom. Well done. <laughs> texts me, Alex, and Tom, and goes, "Hey, you guys said your mom still buys clothes for you, right?" <laughs> <laughs> and I exactly. Go, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that would be me. And she goes, "All right. Well, we're doing a segment." on uh on men like young men who don't really know what their sense of style is yet <laughs> i was like oh sounds Stop. right up my alley <laughs> <laughs> so so ella gives me a call like gives me a rundown on it and tells me i'm just going to talk to the producer on the phone and um or the coordinator then the producer and then uh they'll see if i'm a good fit for the show and so uh they both end up giving me a call kind of running me through on what the deal for the show will be. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, that, that sounds really fun. So I'll, I'll go do that. Um, and so then I end up getting there and I'm greeted by Ella. So that gives me a little bit of sense of comfortability. What, now what were like, their questions? Like, like, where did you buy your last pair of jeans? And you were like, uh, Walmart. It's like, they were trying to, vet, I felt like they were trying to, yeah, Tar- like, Target? Well, I've never bought clothes before. I have no idea. <laughs> oh yeah. I my mom buys them for me. <laughs> she goes, you're perfect. <laughs> No, it's like they're vetting you and they're trying to prepare you for make sure you're not a crazy person on the show. On the show. Yeah. Well, I'll be, I'll, yeah. He, I chose these people to ask because literally every time they would come into the page office and Zach would be wearing like a nice sweater, or like shoes or whatever, he'd be like, oh, where'd you get that? He's like, oh, my mom bought it for me. It's like, I got like my two or three nice outfits. It's like this shit's stuff my mom got me. Like one Christmas, it's like this sweater. And I'm like, I'll never wear that. And then now I'm like, all right, this is my only outfit I'll wear on a date or something. <laughs> but they came up to me and they were like, oh, do you, like they came back into what we called like the PA village, which is literally just a hallway we sat in. And they're like, oh, do you like know anybody who like still has their mom buy them clothes? And I'm like, oh, do I? Uh, yes. I'm like, I've got people <laughs> for you. You're like, I know too many. Honestly, I'm, I'm starting to question myself and the people I hang out with. <laughs> it's like embarrassing for me that I know so many people whose moms buy them clothes. I don't clothes. hang out with anyone whose mom buys them their clothes. I don't hang out with those people. <laughs> so, so I get there. She like, Greets me at the door. Zach, what and, was like, your, what was your get... reaction to them asking you to be on the show? Because it's got to be like almost like a backhanded thing. You know what I mean? Like, it, I mean, it, like... it is, but also like, but this is me. Like, this is a hundred percent. Oh, it's true. true. Yeah, so, it's true. You for just me, it fit wasn't it backhanded. It was fully front-handed. Yeah. I'm like Zach. Like, your mom buys you clothes. Like, be on the show. Step it up. Yeah, she she goes, Zach. Look at me. Look at me right now. It just slaps me right in the face. <laughs> Grabs him by the collar. Your mom bought this sweater. <laughs> yeah. Quit lying to yourself. <laughs> and so Ella takes me to the green room and I'm just kind of sitting there. And I remember on that same episode, it was, or the episode before that, they had on Jim Gaff again and the little girl for that Girl Scouts movie. That McKenna they did. Grace, I think is her name. Yes. Yeah. 
And uh, so they're on, I'm just kind of sitting in the back watching that show. And then occasionally like people are coming in uh, just to give me a rundown on what the deal is. But uh, so then finally Ella comes to grab me and we go and we're sitting to the side of the stage now. So now I can see the audience. What are you wearing? What? What are you wearing? Oh, they told me what to wear. They told me to wear like a sweatshirt and jeans, like just casual kind of casual clothes. So they're like, look at this loser. Look at (laughs) this slob. He comes on TV wearing this outfit. What an asshole. Yeah. It was just 20 minutes of Rachel Ray ripping on me, and then she left. And she goes, show's over. Get show's over. Here. Get out of here. We're not giving you any clothes. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting to eat any you're not, food. You're not either. getting <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think there's some old, cold, warm celery sitting on the table. It's probably lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> so Ella and I are sitting there, and, um, you know, what was – I did have a sense of comfortability, one, with – with you being there Ella, and being able to talk to you and you're kind of just like, you know, you're in your normal day to day. So it's not like this is a big deal for you, but I'm like, Oh, I'm about to be in front of an audience, but I'm like, I also know this audience because what we learned is for all morning show, all TV morning shows, it's all the same people that go to watch these shows. And it doesn't matter what morning show it is. It doesn't matter if it was Megyn Kelly, if it was Wendy Williams. Because they're all like staggered. It's all the same like old retired women that go. And I mean like the same actual people. I was going to say, are they like, is it like staggered when they like, when they uh, (laughs) record them? You know what like I mean? When, so like yeah, they, like they go from one show to the next. They move. Yes, to- yes, that's wow. exactly like we would have when we would work the Today Show. Like you got so familiar with these people, you're like giving out tickets. You're like, hey, what's up, Helen? Like, hey, what's <laughs> on up? a first like, name basis with you. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And they like, love Zach. Didn't someone ask you to sit course. in their lap? <laughs> it's like something like that. And, and, Mid- and middle-aged women remember, I- love Zach. They love that's him. what that's what you need to take out of yeah. this. <laughs> Seriously, I'm, I'm not joking. <laughs> but so there was one time it was in the summer we're working on on Megan Kelly today, and I'm working the ticket booth, and Helen comes up to me and she goes, "Ooh, like we've been there <laughs> like two months now." And Helen comes up and she's like, "Ooh, who are you? Like, what's your name? This little <laughs> old lady with like gray hair, or whatever." And I'm sitting there, I'm like, "Helen, I've seen you every day for two months." <laughs> Recognize me and you're hitting on me because I'm tan now. Like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> it was oh my god. I I've never met people meaner than those women. <laughs> they were they were the daytime crazy. audience women. <laughs> one, oh my god, there was it, this. It doesn't one sound woman like a nice group. Who's mean to everyone? And I you had to have a driver's license, and I asked her for a driver's license, and she because like part of it is you can't have to be over 16, and I asked her for a driver's license, and she handed me a metro card. And I'm like, this is a Metro card. And she says, it says R on the back for retired. Would I be retired if I was 16? Can you even read? I was like, you old bitch. Like, I was like, so like, you fucking hag. Like, how dare you talk to me like that? Like, I'm the one letting you in the show. And then you go, by the way, here's yeah. your ticket. Thank how, you. Here's your ticket. Have yeah, a nice yeah. day. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy your show. Yeah. How many ambulances uh, showed up on the lots Actually, of daytime? Actually, more than one. I was gonna say. I mean, if that's their if that's their demographic of people, we've had a couple incidents. There were a couple incidents, and we had an issue where all all the women would pretend to be to have to have ailments, or they would say they actually had ailments. You know, they're old, like so hips and knees and stuff. So then they would get loaded in the show first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They go before everyone else, and also it was a perk with that. 
They know how to play the game. They've been around. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. they've been around all of them. Yeah. So then they would also get unloaded from the show first, which happened to work out great for them. because Now, you're they saying can loaded and unloaded. Are those common terms? Or are you talking like yeah. wheelchair people? No, no. Are you loaded an audience. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like putting putting them in their seats right, right, where they right, go. Right. And uh, But then so they would be able to leave first, too. And uh, the what was a great perk with that is when you leave first, then you can just go beeline it straight to Wendy Williams after that and get, get in there first. And get tickets for the next day first. <laughs> oh, and they like really get got giveaways the game first. Like they knew right. what they were doing. They yeah, the they're game. all there for the giveaways. <laughs> And so it eventually you started realizing you're like, oh my God, like half this crowd is injured. What's going on? With these people? <laughs> so they decide to stop unloading them early and they decide to unload like the injured people last. Lo and behold, it was like Jesus no came one, around no and healed anymore. everybody because all of a sudden none of them were taking their early, early trips in. And all of a sudden their knees and hips were feeling way better. That's awesome. The other thing that proved they weren't injured was the great cookie pop stampede of no. 2018. Zach almost lost his life. Zach literally almost died. And there's one thing. We would like give them a little, there would be a little snack for the, the morning program. Uh-huh. So called cookie pop. Um, and it was just like popcorn that was like, whatever tasted like cookies. And so it'd be out to the side. And so whenever we'd bring the bowl out, all of them would just freaking storm right. up and stampede. You're supposed to just take one. They're taking like four and ripping Filling their purse. They would bring empty bags to fill with cookie pop. They yeah, know what so day that- cookie pop is. They they knew what it was because they would get it every time. Right, right, right. And this one particular day was actually just mayhem. Like I was, I was. <laughs> it was actually disgusting to see people behave this way over fucking popcorn. popcorn. <laughs> it also. No, I don't hope you're not sponsored by Cookie Pop, but it also was fucking disgusting. Like, it was gross. <laughs> didn't taste good. Fuck, that was our second one. We were just talking All right, about no, yeah, we're no celery. Guys, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're trying to go the healthy and unhealthy route. <laughs> yeah, find a Get mean, all spectrum medium. Yeah. But yeah, there's this one point where I was just like ran over to the bowl and I'm holding up the cookie pop there. And it's just like <laughs> almost getting swarmed by these ladies. And when the security guards had to come over and just yell at them and be like, go sit down, you crazy women. Like, like somewhere doing? in the vault of like NBC security footage is footage of Zach holding oh, a bowl of cookie pop over that. his head while old women literally <laughs> run at him, like run at him. I... It, we wow, gotta get was, that. Crazy. We gotta find that video. That was oh my god! It's like a scene out of Jingle All the Way when they're looking for Turbo Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's familiar with the. Uh, I, know, Arnold it's, Schwarzen- I know it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I can't picture the and scene, Sinbad, but- dude. It's it's a great holiday movie. Oh, is Sinbad in that? <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen fantastic. that movie in forever. Yeah, I haven't so seen good. it in so long. But I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But so, so Ellen and I are sitting to the side of Rachel Ray and I'm like, all right, so I at least feel comfortable. I know this audience. I know they're like nice people and they're just here to kind of just hang out and see the show. But you do start getting that adrenaline rush, regardless of if you're on for some kind of gimmicky putting clothes on of just yeah. being in front of people. Yeah, you're yeah, under the I'm bright lights. Yeah, I'm definitely starting to get sweating? that high, you like sweating? the same thing of doing stand up and stuff. Um, but yeah, so then you, they go out and the whole prompt is they have the spin the wheel for me and basically i press the button they have a stylist out there you didn't get to spin the wheel i did get to spin the wheel okay, okay, i press okay, the button okay, they, okay, they okay. spin the wheel spins and then it gives me a prompt for what activity we're doing and then what 
um, what I'm what the look is casual right. dressed up or whatever like first date for that kind of stuff yeah the first, vibe for the look yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so we got first date casual and I go behind this little wardrobe and then they would you know the stylist would change me and I'd put on these outfits and then go and walk out and then the crowd would be like ooh yeah there's no way then, this kid's mom dresses him <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. Because <laughs> yeah. he's got enough clothes from Rachel Ray. <laughs> but now Rachel Ray I'm backstage, him, who's old enough to like be his mom. Kim, I feel like Chris at Kim's Playboy shoot. Like I'm like I have my camera and I'm Snapchatting it, and I'm like, "You're doing amazing, sweetie." Like, sending it to all our page friends. They're like, "Why is Zach there?" Like <laughs> <laughs> crossover episode. It was. It was a good crossover. Um, but yeah, so that was fun. Then at the end, they end up giving me like a gift card and the clothes we tried on. And I was like, oh, well, this is great. I ended up getting to wear that one outfit to one of my buddy's weddings, which is, which is really cool because uh, I'll yeah. just wear that outfit to every wedding now. Because Did you, <laughs> you give that gift card to your mom so she could go buy some clothes? <laughs> no, I should repay the favor, though. <laughs> Be like, you need anything? <laughs> Get her some clothes. stuff. Ray Chris's <laughs> mom? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that that was a really fun experience. So that was that was fun having you on backhanded or fronthanded or not. Um, <laughs> I'll take the hand either day. How long were you at Rachel Ray for? For a season and a half. Season and a half. Yeah. And did you like make any progress there? Did you like stay in that same kind of? When I came back um, for this most recent season, I came back as a segment coordinator. So I was like promoted, and then I was working like on a specific like producing team. Mm. Mm. So we would so like, you like booking guests and kind of pitching yeah. ideas and stuff. Did that feel exactly. like a big? Did okay. that feel like a big step up? Did that? Is that like? The yeah, it's like thing it's like the next you? job you would get if you right. stayed. Like a lot of times mm-hmm. the PAs don't end up staying, but like because everything that was going on, like they brought basically everybody back because of we we're going to be doing everything online, and mm-hmm. it's like okay, like do we want to train new people or like so all the guys I worked with who are PAs are still there as PAs. Mm-hmm. But like a girl left, and then I like replaced her as a segment mm. coordinator. So in, okay. So in between that time where like you got that step up at Rachel Ray, and you got the show, you got the writing job with the last OG. Did you like feel satisfied? Like you were on the right track, or like were you still kind of trying to find something else in that time? It was. I mean, everything was so weird because also COVID was right. happening. Yeah. So like we when Rachel Ray. So Rachel Ray. The last week I was there in person, we probably had like another month left, but we left the office on like a Friday and we're like, okay, like we'll be back in a week. And as right. you know, that did not happen. Yeah. Um, so I, regardless, like in between seasons, you go on unemployment um, while you're not working because they take a hiatus in the summer. Oh, so really? I, oh, I was, didn't know that. Yeah. So I was, right. I was going to be unemployed regardless, but we just ended mm. up ending earlier. So that whole time, between seasons I was unemployed mm-hmm. um I was also home in Florida I like ended up just I came home for what I thought was going to be a week and ended up staying for six months yeah um so I was just kind of like putzing around like I I was like okay well I had already been thinking like do I want to come back to Rachel Ray next season I'm like I, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm kind of kind of like two roads diverging because like as you start to move up 
Mm-hmm. It's like a triangle and you're like moving further away from what you want. Like it is good to get promoted, obviously, but if you get promoted in like a, a daytime, a news space, like you're mm-hmm. farther away from working in scripted. Okay. So I was like, oh, like I, I feel like I need to like start really thinking about like finding a job in scripted because like, I feel like I'm just moving away from what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even sure I was going to come back for the season, but then just COVID just turned into what it was. And I got offered to come back and I was like, well, I can't turn this down. Like it's either this or no job at all. Mm-hmm. So I, and I mean, I was happy to come back, but I was also just thinking like, Oh, like, do I need to start thinking about moving to LA? This was before I had a manager or anything. This was just like me kind of plotting right. my next move. So I was already kind of in that headspace. Um, but I also like kind of entered working at the next season of Rachel, like, okay, like I'm just kind of like, this is like the opportunity I have for right now. Like I, even though mm-hmm. I had a manager by the time I started season 15, which is the one mm-hmm. they're on now, like I was like, I don't even think, I don't even know if it's going to happen. Cause it's also pretty rare to get staffed this quickly. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll probably be here for the season and then I can think, but like during the den, just everything happened so quickly. Right. Did having the manager give you a little sense of relief of being, okay, I can still do my job then at Rachel Ray. And I kind of, I at least have a little foot maybe in the door with being a writer. So Oh, 100%. Right. Cause you it, had it, someone in the industry say like, Hey, I like your writing. Like, you yeah, it was writing. like, it totally changed. Like the outlook of my life, honestly, because like mm-hmm. that is really one of the hardest parts is just like getting in the door in terms of like having someone read your stuff. Cause people will read your stuff and then it's just like, okay, like that's good. You can, they'll give you notes. And that's kind of it. Like to have someone say like, I like your stuff and I want to yeah, like back, represent yeah. you and start like introducing mm-hmm. you to people and stuff like that. Like that's such a huge deal. So it really changed like my whole outlook on like what honestly the rest of my life could be because I was like, okay, like now I'm like finally, finally like heading in a direction. That's like what I want to do. Right. What, what made yeah. you decide to get a manager? Is that, is that like a common thing for someone who wants to become a, a writer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a common thing. Okay. Cause it's like, this is something I have to explain to my mom all the time. My mom's like a doctor. So like, yeah, she just, she, she did like, the, like I like went I'm to grad school, then I did my residency, then I got a job. And like, mm-hmm. she's like, why don't you, my mom has literally said to me multiple times, like, why don't you just email Tyler Perry? I'm like, and what, <laughs> right. and like, what'll happen if I do that? Right? right. Like she doesn't understand that. It's like so much about like meeting the right person at exactly the right time and mm-hmm. stuff. So having a manager or an agent, is like basically kind of the way and like sometimes you'll get staff off of just knowing people but like it's a lot it's mostly like or you like were a writer's assistant and were a writer's assistant and got promoted to being a staff writer like that's one way to do it right um but most people have either an agent or a manager or both Mm. and and that's how you become a writer as opposed to being like a PA because those can typically lead to like, like you were doing like segment coordinating and more on the production side of things. It's hard to kind of make that leap across to writing or being a writer's assistant. Like, I mean, there are people who are PAs on scripted shows. So they're like a regular, like just a set PA and then they become a writer's PA and then they become a writer's assistant. And then like they get an episode that season and then like they become a staff writer, but that's like mm-hmm. a really kind of long kind of convoluted process. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was like starting to think like, okay, like, is it time for me to move to LA and start trying to be like a writer's assistant writer's PA? Like that's mm-hmm. where I was, my head was at before kind right. of everything happened. And so while you're working, um, how much writing are you doing and how are you holding yourself accountable to writing? 
Um, especially with, you know, when you're, you know, coming off of being tired on the job, or like you said, you would use those dark weeks really too. Are you like, this is really where I need to kind of keep my dream alive here. I need to sit down and write and do this. It's honestly so hard. And it's something that I still struggle with Mm -hmm. to this day, like getting the motivation to write. Like I, um, as I said, like when I was dark at, when we were dark at Rachel Ray and I was like still working in person, like I got to the point where like, I had been like basically like sitting and watching TV for a lot of weeks. And I was like, this just, it's like, what am I doing? Like, at least if I have this time and I'm like up and awake and like, whatever, I should do something. Mm -hmm. So I started writing. Um, And then during quarantine, like I wrote and stuff, like one thing that I found that's helpful and I haven't honestly done in a while, but it was like kind of like in the summer when I was like still unemployed in between seasons is like, if you go on like Reddit, they'll have like these like five word prompts. And so you're supposed to like write five pages that include like all of these five things. And so doing that has been really helpful just to write because it's like it is such a muscle to be able to like sit there and like think quickly and type quickly and like know what dialogue is supposed to sound like. So like doing stuff like that has been really helpful to me. But what, like what Reddit thread is that? Is that just screenwriting or slash screenwriting? screenwriting. Okay. It's like I, I read it like all the time because there's like a lot of helpful stuff in there. But then they also just have those like. It's like whoever they'll like be like, oh, you have 24 hours to write it. And then whoever writes the best one gets to choose. I don't submit anything. I just like find ones I like for myself and write from that. But you can also like participate. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I have a lot of like ideas and stuff. And so mm-hmm. what I've been trying to do now is like take a lot of the stuff that I've been having like ideas about and like kind of first I like just do all the beats of an episode and then I turn it into an outline. So I'm like now in the process of like outlining a couple different things. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't have to be working on stuff right now because of work. Like, but then when I'm not my manager's like, so what are you working on? Like, so right, right now I'm not expected to do anything, but just for myself, I've been like trying to work on some stuff. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I, I guess, what is it about writing that in- interests you? Like, what was it that really stuck out to you about writing and, and TV writing specifically? That you enjoy I just feel like there's such a payoff with it like when you write a book like reading is kind of like creating a little tv show in your head right like mm-hmm. you picture like even they'll describe you know the characters in a certain way but in your mind you'll always everybody will picture it a little different and you're reading it and it's like watching a movie in your head and I think the screenwriting is like you're doing that but then they actually turn it into a movie like I just think there's something so so incredible about that. And I also, I love television writing more than I don't, I don't really write like screenplays. I write like television because I think like the medium of television storytelling is like, it's so expanded and you can really like focus on things because you don't have to finish it in like what two hours you have like a whole season. Right. So I don't know. It was just like, I always was like telling myself stories as a kid and stuff like that, but I'm so visual that I was like, I think that this is like the right way to go about it. Yeah. And and what's it look like for you when you're writing? Like, are you visualizing it in your head? Are you just kind of writing it and then trying to picture and rearrange it? Like, are you kind of picturing the whole world you're trying to put as you're doing it? Yeah. So like, I'll think about like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like kind of crazy. Cause I'll like, think about like, I think about the whole world, even if it's just like one specific thing that I'm writing about. Mm-hmm. Um, And like when I write, I'm very particular. Like I have a playlist that I've been listening to since I was like in college. I've been the same, like I I add to it, but it's like the same music all the time. I'll like put it on the lowest volume. It's like a little bit of background noise. What kind of music is it? um, Like indie music, nothing like 
two. Is it vocals or instrumentals or? It's like vocals. It's like okay. actual songs. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll do like, you know, like lo-fi beats to study. Yeah, to, but I like, like those. I like those. I like that. But like also like I, I the playlist is a lot of music that I've heard on shows that like evokes a feeling like. Okay. So I like that because it'll, it'll be mm-hmm. like put me in the right emotional space. Right. To write. Um, and one thing that was really difficult for me when I first started writing was like, I'm, I'm a perfectionist and it's really, I would kind of get caught up. I would like write like a block and I'm like, Oh, I don't like how that sounds. And I would just stay on that. Like one piece of action. I'd just be like, Oh, like what if they, what if it was this? And so I have gotten into the point where what I do is like a vomit draft where I will have an outline and I just write the whole thing. Like I do not, I like make myself not stop writing. Like I can't go back and read what I wrote before. Mm-hmm. And that has been so incredibly helpful to me to just get it done. Cause like, if you right. finish it and it's terrible, you can always go back and edit it. But I would get so like caught up in the minutiae. So literally like I have my music on super low and I'm just like furiously typing. And I also like write at like two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like amazing. <laughs> Oh, you got to do the late night writing. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Like, cause then it's like, it's nobody's business. Like nobody needs anything <laughs> from me. Like I'm fully like removed from society. Yeah. I'm just I, like hunched over my computer writing. I totally get that in terms of the early morning or late at night where it's just like you're, there are no other obligations that can pop up and kind of just exactly. interrupt you. Yeah. Um, and one thing I, one thing I came across that was really interesting was switching costs. I came across this concept where it's like when someone asks you to do something, okay, sure. Maybe it'll take five minutes or whatever. It's a text or just a little chore or something like that. But then getting yourself back, sitting back down, and then getting yourself back in that same mindset again, that takes time too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the the amount of time that it takes for you to switch from doing one thing to another um, just adds into that whole other activity you just tried to do. Right. Especially when it's something creative, I feel like. To get out of that creative flow and go do something that's, you know, kind of mindless. Like manual or, yeah. But like, I mean, it also can be a break, but at like a certain point, it can be, you know, you'd be in a crucial point and then you just can't get out of that mindset you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's also like sometimes the other day i was like finishing up an outline and i like stopped and i read it and i was like what was i talking about like i like, couldn't get back in the headspace of like what i was going to do next and that yeah. was like really frustrating to be like oh like what was i like this doesn't make sense now that i don't know what yeah. i was thinking of doing it's like what the hell did i write like yeah yeah i have a similar thing like when i'm when i'm writing music like i'll think of something I'll record it real quick and then not think about it and then go back to it like a day or so later and be like what is this like this is this isn't good this is bad like what like was what I, was I trying to do yeah here? what was like, I trying to do in this moment it was bad <laughs> yeah that just comes you, with being creative I feel like yeah yeah and how do you hold yourself accountable when you're kind of feeling unmotivated about it because it is tough to get into a creative mindset sometimes you just have to force yourself to get into it or you more kind of oh when i get there i get there like are there certain times where you're just like like you're sitting like just friggin' sit down and just do this reddit prompt at least and do something i like kind of fluctuate like part of the reason i really enjoyed school was because like the pressure of a deadline is like so motivating to me mm-hmm. um so I was like churning out work at school because it was due. And then when I graduated and I had no one expecting, then I was just writing for myself. Basically, it was so hard for me because it's like, well, I could do that or I could like play the Sims. Like it was just like, I, <laughs> it was really hard for me to be like, to write for myself because writing for yourself is still, you know, writing for other people because you're trying to have a career. But like 
But killing least, someone by trapping them in a pool is also thrilling. Like just when you take the ladder out of the <laughs> pool like that, 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 that feeling, like, you know, like that's, that's so rough. good too. Um, but now that I have a manager, like, well, okay. Before that I graduated, didn't have anything. And I was like, okay, like I need to do something. So I actually took a writing class like outside of school just to like have to go in every week with pages and like to have to, you know, like that was really helpful. Mm -hmm. And then that class ended. And then like, I tried a couple of times to like start a writing. I've tried to do writing groups, but it's hard because like other people like won't necessarily like, like other people have lives and stuff. So it's also really hard unless they're super dedicated to it too. Like I tried right. to start tried writing to groups a couple times. Yeah. We tried to do that like, in the page program. Too. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. Mm. And so now that I have a manager, like he's constantly expecting things for me. So like, mm-hmm. even if I don't have to like, cause it's like, basically like, I don't know if you guys know like how agents and managers work, but it's like, I don't pay him unless I get a job or mm-hmm. I, I don't pay him unless I sell something. So like, he always wants me to do stuff cause he wants to sell stuff so that I pay him. Right. So he gets that, a commission like, of your paycheck with that yeah. or of the deal. Mm-hmm. He gets, yeah. Like he gets a 10% commission of my, either my paycheck or the deal. Okay. So he's always asking. So now he's like, okay, like, what are you working on? Like, what are you thinking of? Like, do you have any like outlines you're working on? Like pitches you're working Mm -hmm. on? Cause he wants me to be doing that stuff so that I can sell and he can get paid. So that's Mm -hmm. what's really helpful about that now is that like, okay, like even if I'm, you know, not working on a show, like at least there's somebody like trying to make me work because they want, they want to make money. Right. In terms of for you, I mean, 10% sounds like a great deal for you where it's like one, someone to hold you accountable and two, also someone to kind of legitimize you when you're pitching yourself too. Exactly. Yeah. So that has been like, in the months since I've had a manager, like I've done more writing than ever again with like the Reddit prompts, just to like keep myself fresh, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then also just him being like, okay, like here, no, he'll send me notes and he's like, okay, like this is what I think. Like, and then I'll go and do another draft. Like he's constantly kind of, you know, helping me in that sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, I mean, that's great. You have somebody you can constantly go back and forth with and kind of give yourself your own this, those deadlines have somebody else to give you them. Um, so you can only keep your own deadlines for, I don't know, so long. If you find that tough, then it's just like, it's better to have someone else hold you accountable for that. Yeah. Then. Like, I just, I just know the kind of person that I am and I do need that like kind of like outside mm-hmm. motiva- motivation. Mm-hmm. And so now that I've like figured out a way to be getting that, like it, it's, it's really been helpful for me. So a question I wanted to ask you was, was your mom, like, was she always supportive of this dream of yours to be a writer when she started realizing it really, I guess, in high school um, or so, or kind of growing up? Was she on board with it or was she like, I don't know what that is, but sure, if you figure it out or. I think that was more her point of view. Like, she's like, she kind of like doesn't know what it is and like Mm -hmm. I don't think she really like I don't think there's any one clear path to being a television writer anyways but she couldn't see like any not like she didn't believe in me but she just like was like I don't how are you gonna do that like right um, and like like the way you were explaining it you know there are different ways to kind of hop around through it and it's not like being a doctor where it's you know school grad residency not straightforward at all yeah not straightforward at all and so I think that that's like her coming to terms with that like I think she like always knew that I was good I was like always like kind of like an artsy kid like you know and um when I went to college and I was like was clearly like not going to be like I I was getting a film degree so I think she was kind of like okay like (laughs) like Mm -hmm. 
that she's setting herself up on a path here. Like, good yeah, luck with that. You're like, this is the, this is it. <laughs> but I've been like lucky to have like at least up into this point, like a few, like I never really freelanced, mm-hmm. which I think has been more validating for her that like, I like had the page program and then I okay. had a season long job at Rachel Ray. And now I have this job. It wasn't me being like, okay, I just did a shoot, like trying to find like another freelance gig. Like it was never that. And so I think that was made it a little easier for her to like, kind of understand what I was doing. Right. Like structured a little more corporate yeah. jobs. Yeah, exactly. But she's still like, now that I have this, like now that I have this job, she like <laughs> finally gets it. I was like, yeah. Yeah, well, like, so this is what she went to college for. I'm like, yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> what was her reaction when you told her you got this job? Well, like, I was like, I'm, I'm I, sure you told her, I guess you told her when you maybe interviewed for it and then yeah. like, didn't hear back for a while. Like, did you say like, I don't know if we'll get it or. You, I like told her, I was like, I guess I didn't get it. And she's like, yeah, that's okay. And I was literally like in my mind, like, okay, like time to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but the day I found out, like I hung up with my manager and I called her and I was crying so hard. She picked up the hmm. phone and thought I was being like murdered. So she was like really scared. She's like, oh my God, are you okay? And I was like, oh my God. Are you okay? She's like, what the fuck are you saying? I was like, I got the job. And she's like, oh, like, she was like, she's like, I thought you were dying. I was like, yeah, I'm not. But <laughs> she's, she's been, I mean, I'm very, I'm so fortunate that she's been, you know, so supportive of me because like, this is a hard, this is like this is like something that's so annoying about the industry is like, there's a lot of like unpaid internships and things like that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. sometimes the industry that's like only people who are like, you know, like financially well off or like have family support can make it because like, there are a lot of times where you're just straight up unemployed. Right. For sure. I've been really fortunate. I, I, it would be like a lie to say like, Oh, I just did this and was so lucky. Like I was also had like the support of my family. And that's like part of what made this possible. For sure. And like, that's definitely been brought up before where it's just like, it feels like there's almost a barrier to entry for some people where it's like, if you're coming out of school and you've got loans and you're doing this job that is either unpaid or minimum wage, and you're going to live in either New York or LA. And then it's like, you also might have to get a car in LA too. And it's Mm -hmm. just like, how the heck do you survive doing that? Like you might have to get a second job. Like one of our friends did where she was working two jobs, just working freaking crazy hours. We're talking like 80, 90 hours a week or something like that. And just like, yeah, it's really tough. We really have to. Like I think about like Alex, like I, when I interviewed for the page program, like I was already living in New York. So like to go to my page interview, I literally just got on the subway and went like Alex had to basically like fly out to New York from for a job. He didn't even know that he was going to get. And mm-hmm. then after they give you like a stipend, but it's like bare, it's like literally like a government stimulus check, essentially. Like it's barely any money. And then you have to pick up your whole life and move to like the most expensive city in America. And then you're mm-hmm. working minimum wage. Like, yeah, you get a lot of overtime, but it's just like to think of like, just sounds How, impossible like, for some people that's just not possible yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely is and um it's good to see that that's changing a little bit too it seems like yeah but yeah it, it's a it's a it's leap a, yeah it definitely is a leap it's a it's a scary leap there's a lot of uncertainty there's no guarantees after that too yeah you know, it's not like an ongoing thing it's like a temporary a lot of them are temporary contract positions too right. so then you know, you're stuck and it's like, all right, am I going to do freelance? And then it's like, oh, am I going to have, you know, health insurance or any of that stuff? So yeah, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty that goes into that. Yeah. Um, all right. I got, I got a couple of 
other questions for you then. Okay. Um, Taking a sip of water. Go for it. All right. That's enough. I got some more questions. Oh my God. (laughs) Too much water. I'm good. I'm good. What's your question? So when you're, whether when you're writing or when you're doing, I guess mostly when you're writing or when you're doing other things, like what makes you feel inspired? Like when you're going through your writing process and you like hit something and you're like into it, like what makes you excited about it and like really into something? Um, Okay. Well, okay. So there's like a couple different ways that it happens. Like just in terms of being inspired in general, like honestly watching other TV shows will inspire me. Like when I watch, have you, I don't know if you've seen Dave. Dave is, it is, I swear to God, it is like one of the best shows I've seen in my life. It Mm. is fucking phenomenal. It is so good. Like just the way they write and like, I don't know, but I watched that and I was like, holy shit. I was like, I want to do stuff like that. So like when I watch a show like that, or like I'll watch like a period piece and I'll be like inspired by the time and I'll want to write. But in terms of just like me sitting down to write, once I get in the flow and it start and like just it starts to like come to me, like I I don't know necessarily like what triggers it, but eventually like I'll get to a point where it's just like it's like kind of effortless. Like it just feels mm-hmm. like it just it all makes sense. And like I can see the beginning and the middle and the end and everything that happens in between. And it's just like I almost like can't type as fast as my brain mm-hmm. is going. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I don't know. I'll just like, I'll just like, it's like, you know, when you're cutting wrapping paper and the scissors just hit the paper and they fucking glide, mm-hmm. it's like that. And then sometimes you think it'll do it all the way and then you keep doing it and then you just rip it and you're like, yeah, oh, but fucked you're just it all like, up. <laughs> <laughs> Both things have happened to me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What about when you're having a bad day? How do you swing yourself back to rebalance yourself or to refocus at least when you're like, all right, maybe I just need to kind of plug away things here and just get it done. So I can say, I can kind of check that box and be like, all right, tomorrow will be better. Sometimes I'll give myself a time limit. If I'm like some, I think what's been helpful is also just knowing like, I can't look at this anymore. Like I have done what I can do and like, I'm not, I'm not, it's like, if I keep writing, I'm just going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. So being able to tell when I'm like in that kind of headspace is like, okay, like I'm putting it away for tonight. Like I need to rest. I need to come at it with fresh eyes. I need to like, to not like force myself. Cause then it's just, you know, it's just bad. Right. But I and think, walking away without feeling guilty about it too. Yeah. Just but I can do something else. Sometimes I'll just be like, okay, like if I write for like two hours or I just like do what I can for two hours, like there's like also a lot of it that goes into it. Like sometimes I'll be like, oh, okay, well I'm not inspired to write, but like, let me do some like research or come up with names or like, I will like do other stuff that's still helpful, but like, mm-hmm. isn't necessarily like actually writing mm-hmm. and like, that'll be helpful. But like, sometimes I think just like more than anything is like knowing when to like walk away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and what advice would you give to a younger version of yourself? So I would think maybe in high school when you're sort of, you're like, oh, you know, you're interested in television. You're kind of wondering about these different options. Or maybe when you're in college and you're like, really like, oh, I'm into this writing thing. I know this is a big leap, but it's something I want to do. What advice would you give to yourself when you're kind of looking ahead and not really knowing what your path's actually going to come out like? I think it's just like, what's meant for you will come to you when it's your time. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that it's so easy, especially in an industry like this, to like compare yourself to another person's path or to like talk to people and like hear what they did and think that's exactly what you have to do. Um, and it, and it just is like, I'm, I'm proof to myself that like, you might not, it might not be the way you wanted it to happen, but it'll happen. Like, you know, like I was, again, as I said before, like really disappointed when I didn't get, you know, a late night job and I was like, Oh, well, how am I ever going to make it happen? And it just, it just wasn't the way I thought it was going to happen, but it did. And like, there's this girl, her name is Stephanie Robinson. I'm a huge fan of her work. And she went to Emerson. And when I was living in LA, one of my writing professors was like, Oh, like, let me like introduce you guys so you can meet and I got a drink with her and I was like amazed by her because she wrote for Man Seeking Woman so I'm like this this she's my hero like this, this <laughs> yeah. girl's incredible this is as close as you got to actually writing on the show yeah and so I was talking with her and she was telling me all about her path and like how she had been you know an intern an intern and done the LA program and then she got into writing because she was an assistant and worked on a desk and eventually got an agent at that agency and then you know got writing jobs and whatever and I talked to her and I was like, oh, like, obviously I want to be just like her, but like, I know that I'm not the kind of person who can like work in an agency. So I was like, oh, like, I don't know if I'll ever end up in the same position as her. And obviously still admired her work. And then like very randomly, um, I have, a, I like have an entertainment lawyer, an entertainment attorney now. And she was like, oh, like go online. When I met with the attorney, she's like, oh, like go online and like see who my clients are. And her client is this girl. So I'm like, I ended oh, up wow. in the same no kidding. position as this person that I like admired so much. And it's like, obviously like I took a completely different path to her, but like, I still, you know, and then kind of like got what I wanted or like what I was meant for. And so that felt like very like cosmically right to me. I was like, yeah, wow, I yeah. feel like I'm meant to be where I am right now. Yeah. So that doesn't explain the point you're trying to get across is taking your own zigzag path and ending up in the exact same spot almost yeah. as her. Yeah. I mean, she's like Emmy nominated and like so incredible. Like I'm nowhere near her yet. But <laughs> sure, like, I'm just but <laughs> I mean, still you, you got the same attorney and you're a staff yeah, writer now. Same circles. So yeah. a good spot to be same circles, yeah. That's awesome. Are there any, um, I know you're a TV person, I guess, but are there any books or books you would suggest the audience to read, whether that has to do with writing or not? Um, so I'm doing this to get kudos points, but my mm-hmm. teacher, the teacher who actually introduced me to her, Marty Cook has a book called Write to TV. This is, I had to buy the book. I bought the book beforehand, but we she had to call have it, it. Marty Cook has a book. <laughs> Marty Cook. Her name is Marty Cook and she has a book and it's called Write to TV. She used to write on Full House. She's awesome. She's like one of my favorite professors. And Mm -hmm. she told us like that we had to get the book for the class. And she's like, I don't get paid if you buy it. I was like, I don't know if that's true, (laughs) but um, I'm still going to get it. I loved her class. Um, But that's a really good book. Um, Mm -hmm. Just in terms of teaches you both about like writing like comedy and drama. And she just has like a, she had a new edition of it that came out recently. So like, I think that's a really good book. Um, What else did I read? I don't, my, my best advice, honestly, read scripts of shows that you like. Mm-hmm. I do that all the time. It and where started, can you find those? Just Google it. Like literally okay. if you Google like insecure pilot episode PDF, like it'll come up. Like there's some shows mm-hmm. that I haven't been able to find, which is annoying. Um, but most shows will have the pilot episode, a PDF of it online and just read that, like, see how they write, like, see how their voices in terms of like, not only the dialogue that they're writing, but also like the action, like, you know, things like that, like, see how long it is, like, you know, there's different formatting for different types of shows. So I think if you're really interested, like, there's so many resources that are free 
So I think mm -hmm. that, you know, reading scripts has been what I've found most helpful. Yeah, that makes sense. Good idea to just actually see for yourself what it is and then see how they turn it into something on TV too. Yeah, exactly. Are there any habits that you feel you need to do daily? I guess at least besides writing. Um, no, <laughs> I don't. I, don't I mean, like, no, no's a fine answer. I mean, I some don't people have. have like, yeah, I was going to say like, some teeth. people have like rigid, you know, like habits or routines that they have to do. Whether that's like going on a run or or meditating or I don't know. I'm not that kind else. of girl. Like, yeah. I guess the one thing I do is like check Twitter daily. I don't know if that's like <laughs> helpful, but like there are like a lot of like comedians and people that you can like follow and see what they're doing and like find out about stuff just because of them or just like even in terms of like networking and stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. I guess that's what I do every day, but that's also just because I like I'm addicted to the internet. Like <laughs> I was going to say, what's your favorite social media platform? Twitter. Okay. Twitter. I thought you would say that. And why do you like that one so much more above the rest? Um, I feel like on Instagram, like people are very much like fronting, like mm. the, nobody's going to post like a purposefully, I mean, some people will, but like most people are not going to post like a purposefully ugly Instagram photo or like a talk about like a super difficult time in their life on Instagram. But like mm. people are going to get on Twitter and like tweet like unhinged, hilarious things because it's just <laughs> like Twitter is like nobody cares. It's like everybody's just crazy there. So I, I really like that about it. <laughs> it I is mayhem. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is honest. <laughs> a little wild west there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what would you have done if being a television writer was off the table? Um, God, Mary Rich. I don't know. <laughs> um, or I, I mean, I like little kids, so maybe I would have been like a teacher or something like there's always a part of me that's like, oh, like, wouldn't it be cool to live in like Cleveland and just like get married at like 24 and like just like be normal? Like, wouldn't that Did you be say fun? Cleveland? Like, <laughs> Who wants to move? Cleveland? I don't know. Just like somewhere like kind of like. <laughs> not little, in the middle of nowhere, more, like, just not not nowhere but just like not New York, not LA, right, like right, 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 be kind of local, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. wouldn't it be so like locals have like no worries, no cares. They just like are on Facebook all day. Like, wouldn't that be nice? Like <laughs> they're just on Facebook. They I do, mean, are they, they not? They do like, rip Facebook. <laughs> true, yeah. The local so Facebooks are sometimes I think about that, like, oh, like in another life I'd be a local, but <laughs> I'd, re I'd rethink the Cleveland thing. Facebook. There are always just a couple uh, random people who absolutely just still rip rants on Facebook. And you're like, if Facebook wasn't around, I wouldn't have heard from you in 10 years. Literally, like everyone yeah. I went to high school with is like on Facebook. And I'm just like looking at their lives. I'm like, wow, <laughs> like this is not me at all. Like, um, Do you have any role models or mentors? Um, role models. I just like, I love Issa Rae. Mm. Just like, kind of like anytime Who's I Issa see, Rae? you don't know who that is. No, you gotta, you just gotta tell me. Look, hey, I mean, I, I'm not too tapped in with, uh, okay. So if you've ever heard of Insecure, again. she's the creator and star of Insecure. Mm -hmm. I think like whenever I see like a dark skinned black woman, like, in the industry doing something i'm like wow i love her like i want to be just like her because <laughs> yeah. it's like it's, there's not a lot of role models to look up to in that sense so like 
her. I love Michaela Cole. I love um, Amy Aniobi, who's actually, she's a producer on Insecure. And I actually like got introduced to her through one of my professors. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I have like any mentors specifically. Cause like, mm-hmm. I don't, I've like never like long-term like worked with anybody. I've always had like informationals with people that have been helpful, but I don't know if I have like a long-term mentor. Yeah. And even, you know, it doesn't even have to be a direct relationship with a mentor, but maybe somebody that you kind of consistently look to for advice. Like, even if it's like a podcast or something, like I have like certain podcasts I listen to that I kind of go to for advice. I wouldn't say I have like some kind of direct mentor either though. Yeah. I don't know. I think I just like, I don't know. I just like, like a lot of people like, and I like admire their work. And Mm -hmm. I guess I kind of like follow them in terms of like that blueprint. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. You know, it's interesting when you were saying how you're the resident young person for the last OG, I couldn't help but think like, uh, I remember you first introduced me to Jabuki Young White. Oh, I love Jabuki, yes. I know, yeah. And I remember ever since you introduced me to him and, and you know, I, I followed his stuff. And then like, as soon as you introduced me to him, of course he gets kicked off Twitter. So I'm like, all right, I guess I just won't know what the hell this guy's up to. And then I just start seeing him on Big Mouth and I'm seeing that like he wrote these certain episodes and they're ones where they were very like, uh, tapped into like cell phones and texting and stuff like that. And I was like, it's really funny how you introduced me to that. And then now it's almost like I wondered if that was sort of his role, um, you know, with, with big mouth too, in terms of like being able to validate, like, yeah, kids talk like this, like, this is how everyone's talking. This is what they're doing now. This is what their conversations seem like. Um, and I thought it was a really interesting thing for you to have pointed that out to me. And now for you to sort of be in that role there too. Yeah. I mean, it is like, it is like a very funny position to be in. Like I, I enjoy it, but it's also just like, you feel kind of silly, just like, Oh, like that's why you got hired to just hmm. like explain mm-hmm. like what these things are, but it's helpful. Cause like, I don't know if you, like, I'm like, I, I, because I like read so many scripts and stuff. Like when I watch a TV show, like I can kind of like, write the script for it in my head and so I'm so particular Mm -hmm. also like I'm like I like get taken out of a show very easily my number one pet peeve is when someone sends a text to like their husband it's the first text they've ever sent yeah yeah. like they've never like that kind of shit really annoys me but that's the kind of shit I would be like oh like don't do that like that's what I feel like it's my job to say like that's so unrealistic where they've been married for 10 years and this text is the first text they've ever sent what's your number by the way yeah yeah she's like who is this like or it shows that they've been like deleting their texts and like why are they deleting their texts? What's going <laughs> yeah. on there? Yeah, like this should be the focus of the story. This yeah, is yeah, sketchy. Yeah, hold on. Let's let's segue over to this. What's going on? Like I've been watching um a teacher on FX and oh, is that she's good? like texting this kid and she like is literally has no other texts on her phone. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like this is so annoying to me. Well, yeah, she deleted all the other students' text shoes. <laughs> I guess. I guess that could be it, but I'm not going to give them that satisfaction of believing that. <laughs> I will say, you're not just any resident young person, though. You're very tapped into that internet space, too. Yes. I feel like I'm it was like you and Eric are very on with Extremely Instagram. online is what they call it. Yeah. <laughs> me and Yeah, me and Eric are, like, constantly just, like sending each other terrible things on, the, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you guys you guys find the dark corners too. <laughs> he will like 
like literally like Thanksgiving last year, he sent me like the nastiest video. I was like at dinner with my mom. I was like, you're going to hell. Like, like shout out to Eric. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. I think that's, I, I mean, like I would rather be there to like tell them the right thing than for them to guess and be wrong. And then it is weird on TV. Right. Like you essentially get to point out your kind of pet peeves and correct them and make sure it kind of comes up smoothly and it sounds natural so that the younger audience will be like, Oh, all right. That actually, that adds up. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Um, do you have any other questions over there? No, I was just about to say, yeah, it it looks like we covered everything we wanted to, unless you, Go for it. What? No, well, I was just gonna say, how'd you like this, Ella? This is so fun. Yeah, this was this was a good time. This was fun catching up with you. I missed this talking. is honestly like kind of like a general meeting because when you go in and you're like meeting with an executive, you kind of have to tell them like you know where you're from, what you've yeah. done before this, like how you got into writing. So a lot of the things I was saying, I was like, oh yeah, I've like talked about this before in like a meeting. So this is like kind of exactly what it's like. That's perfect. Then you had your stories all hashed out so that they can just go straight to audio here. <laughs> Yep, I've been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been meeting sound, with executives yeah. just to prepare for our it podcast. It sounded rehearsed. It didn't sound very conversational. That's, that oh, well, be my I only. apologize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, though. It was great, uh, great talking to you. Yeah, this, yeah. Was, this was so fun. Yeah, thanks a ton for coming on, Ella. We, we really appreciate it. This was a ton of fun. I will um, take any opportunity I'm offered to talk about myself. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I knew you'd be a great guest for it. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for hopping on. Um, is there anything that you want to plug? Um, well, when my episode, if I get an episode this season mm-hmm. and it comes out, I'll let you know so you can watch it. But Absolutely. We'll post it on social too. So, actually, Yeah, but I still that. don't even know if I'm getting an episode this season. Mm-hmm. So we will see. Well, keep me updated on if there's, uh, yeah, any big news that comes up with you. And we definitely, we're trying to like, uh, with the people that we have on and stuff, kind of um, grow a little community and just kind of, you know, keep keep them in the loop. So whatever yeah. little cool updates you got and stuff, we'll definitely blast that out. So let us cool. know if you end up getting something on then. Yay. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, awesome. uh, Ella yeah, Brooks, thank everybody. You so much. Thanks again for listening to another episode of After School Program. Make sure to check out our website, ASPPOD.com, for show notes and transcripts, and follow us on social media at ASPPOD. If you like this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend who you think would enjoy the show. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.